Hey everyone, welcome to Speculative Work. I'm James Aaron, and this is my author diary where I talk about things I've learned and mistakes I've made, so hopefully you don't make them too. <laughs> and hopefully we'll have a good time in the process. So this week I've been finishing up several random projects, including a really large editing project and then started writing a new book. But in the midst of all that, it got me thinking about how our hobbies can help us as writers, both to clear your mind and to help build up a vocabulary and emotional bank for writing. So sometimes, you know, hobbies and things like that can be seen as resistance because it's something that you might do because you're not writing. But I was trying to sort of rationalize. <laughs> I'm working on this project, but it's actually going to help me write something in the future. And I think that is somewhat valid. So that's something I wanted to talk about. But first, let's knock out some updates. So I'm actually recording this podcast a week later than I had planned. And last week, the week was all about edits because I was finishing up the last bit of editing on Eve of Destruction before I turned it in to Michael Cooper. And I have really been looking forward to getting his input on the book because I'm in that place where I guess I've made it as good as I can make it, but I still feel kind of like unsatisfied with it. And if I wasn't on the writing timeline that I am as far as getting this this in, I probably would put it in a drawer and leave it alone for at least six months. But we can't do that. And I've already been working on it for six months. So one of the things about indie publishing is that, you know, if you don't put out new work, you can really start to watch your stats just slowly slide over time and while I you know it hasn't been terrible uh, my income is down about uh, probably 20% and if I had a new release that would definitely be adding you know more more fuel to the fire to keep things moving along and and so um, so yeah I really wanted to just push this book out um, we have though decided that we're going to hold off on the launch because Michael needed some more time and I didn't want to rush it. And so I was thinking that basically the more time we can give this, the better. So we are going to uh, push off the pre-order for a little while. And one of the things, you know, here's a tip you might not have realized. A lot of folks, you know, when Amazon has you sign up for a pre-order, they make it really clear that if you miss the pre-order, you're going to lose your pre-order privileges for a year. And that's true, but... Um, kind of a secret tip is that if you email Amazon support and beg them nicely, they will usually give you back your privileges to do pre-orders. And um, I know writers who have done this multiple times. It doesn't seem that, you know, folks at Amazon are talking to each other necessarily. Like, don't let the cat out of the bag there. But um, it's not the end of the world if you have to push a pre-order necessarily. And even then, I know people that have kind of stood by that having you know so quote unquote lost their privileges and they just go ahead and release how they're going to release and life moves on you know a year goes a lot faster than you think it will but if you're concerned about that and you're worried about having put up a pre-order that you're not happy with you can push it um, so far people have been pretty consistent in being able to get amazon to reinstate their pre-order privileges from what from what i've seen so that's what's happening with that. I don't have a date on Eve of Destruction, but it's at a place where I just am really looking forward to getting some 
external input on the book and the characters and the consistency of the characters and how it stands as the first book in a five book series because I was realizing that just all these things were kind of weighing on me and trying to live up to what the previous series was. And in a way it's a continuation of my previous series and one of the main characters who was a child in that series, it's pretty challenging to move a character into the future and sort of clean up all the loose ends or not clean them up or at least address them in a way that I think readers will find satisfying. And that was really stressing me out. <laughs> so the book, I think what it comes down to is the book is just more complex than you can kind of kick out on a 90 day basis, right? So that's a, that's a big learning point. And I think one of the things that I've, I've noticed when you look at indie, uh, you know, Kindle Unlimited books versus what you might see in trad publishing books, which have a longer editing and development arc is the complexity is different. And I'm not going to say any books are not complex, but if they do tend to be kind of more on the entertainment side. And if you're writing a quick book, you know, just a 60,000 word novel, the simpler you can make it is the easier it's going to be on you, both from, I think, uh, encompassing and visualizing the book and then executing the actual writing. And I'm realizing that now because I have moved forward with outlining and I've started writing um, my novel for the Nova Blue universe that Josh Hayes and John Edwards are putting together. And I mapped out a 60,000 word outline, 2,000 word scenes, each one, well, I should say 2,000 word chapters. Each of those is probably two to three scenes. And just in the last three days that I started writing, after I turned in my other book to Michael, um, it's just boom, shooting out. Like I've... I've just kicked out like easily 2,000 words a day and I think I might do more this weekend because really what I'd like to figure out how to do is kind of come up with a standard outline that that works for these types of books um, so that I could pretty easily write it in 30 days. You know, 60,000 words in 30 days, 2,000 words a day. I can do that if I write at lunchtime or, you know, can manage to stay up after the baby goes to sleep <laughs> and write at night. Um, I think I can pretty easily make that make that happen. So that's what I'm working on doing. And I think finding that balance between a satisfying story that has an interesting plot that's not too complicated. Um, and I do have a tendency, I think, to over not I shouldn't say overcomplicate my plots, but that's what I find interesting. So, and Eve of Destruction was like the whole thing I was thinking about as I was writing that book was like it's like Mission Impossible in space. Mission Impossible, you know, it's so like. Every time something would happen, it's like, how can I flip this? How can I flip this? Um, what am I doing for reader expectations? Which makes things complicated, you know? And then you reach a point where, especially if you're you're writing side plots, that it gets harder and harder to make everything fit without a lot of rework and rereading and rechecking and making sure everything lines up. So, so I'm trying to figure out how to do things that are not like that. <laughs> Um, but anyway, the book, the new book is um, going to be a lot of fun. I don't have a name for it, but I'm I'm envisioning it as uh, the new Judge Dredd, which I think came out in like was it 2012. Um, I love that movie. That was such a cool movie. Um, Judge Dredd meets Brooklyn Nine Nine <laughs> um, on a uh, like a Las Vegas space station. So. The idea of this universe, it's a shared universe, it's law enforcement, it focuses on law enforcement in the future, and it's a, it's a positive take on law enforcement. And I work in law enforcement, I'm not a police officer, but I work with police officers every day, so I have a pretty good idea of you know, the kind of things that go into um, 
you know, being a police officer and their challenges and what they what they deal with. So I'm I'm really excited to jump into this project. And I'm I'm also trying to set it up so that it can be along a series of individual books that could have an over an overarching arc, um, which is something that I, you know, is is a new growth place for me. So I'm really excited. I'll keep you posted on how that's going. I mean, so far the words are are coming to me pretty easily. So two books I've been listening to, um, On Intelligence by Jeff Hawkins and Sandra Blakesley. Uh, really interesting uh, neuroscience book that gets into uh, how the brain, you know, physically thinks. And so that's that's been interesting. Um, it's also kind of cool because, so Jeff Hawkins is a scientist and Sandra Blakesley was the science writer who worked with him to write the book. And so she's the one that made um, kind of the concepts in the book easier to absorb. And so that's been, just from a science writing perspective, it's been kind of an interesting book to listen to that way. And then um, I've also been listening to uh, Awkward Thoughts of Kamau Bell, who is, uh, if you're not familiar with Kamau Bell, he's a comedian who has done a lot of uh, really interesting interviews. So he had a show on HBO, he had a show on FX, and then I saw him um, actually do, he came and did a show in my town, and he's one of those people that doesn't shy away from really difficult interviews. So, you know, he, he's a black man, black comedian. He, I first got turned on to him actually from an interview that he did with Richard Spencer, um, the white supremacist. And, and it was just one of the most kind of awkward, interesting things that I'd seen recently on YouTube that was capturing some of our current politics. And I think so many, so many things would be maybe not resolved, but at least diffused if when somebody says something that you're just like, what? If you took the time to actually tell me why you think that. And and that's what this guy does. And so his book, the book so far is like very much about popular culture because he grew up as uh, very much a pop culture nerd, loving comics and things like that. But also his take on comics and, and pop culture is really interesting. So you know, like I grew up watching the Dukes of Hazard, and I didn't really ever think about a lot of things. But here's, you know, a guy who's about my same age and grew up as, you know, a young black boy watching the Dukes of Hazard, and like his thoughts about that um, and how that shaped him growing up and his ideas about his family. And uh, it's just, it's a, it's a good book. I would definitely recommend it. It's entertaining, and um, it's definitely given me some things to think about. Um, you know, moving on. And then this last week, I've really just been listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, I think I've talked about uh, Kristen Oliphant before, but if you haven't been listening to Creative Writing, Create If Writing, um, it's such a great podcast, and she really articulates so many basic ideas really well. But then I think it just it has a really uh, concise way of explaining why she does the things she does, and she's been on this kind of kick of going back to basics and a lot of things because she so she has an MFA um, went through the whole process of like writing the book of her heart and that kind of thing and then uh, actually was in a place where she like needed to make some money and so she launched she moved into sweet romance and started writing clean romance and because she needed to support her family and it has a great story across the process of you know I want to say four or five episodes where she talks about relaunching things that she learned around reader expectations really meeting the expectations of romance, which are incredibly specific to be successful. And and now is like killing it. Like she's not making 10 grand a month, I think, but she's very close based on what she's been she's been talking about. 
And um, I really enjoy her podcast. I would I would recommend it. And then um, Paul Teague did an interview with her this last week on self-publishing journeys, which goes back into her background as well. So if you want kind of an introduction to her, I would check out Paul Teague's self-publishing journeys and then take a look at creative writing. Because um, yeah, I think that that's going to be useful for anybody. I mean, a lot of it's stuff that I already know, but I'm always interested to hear how different things have worked in different genres. And I think when you you get an idea of the broad concepts of what it takes to be successful in independent publishing right now, what, you know, romance leads the industry in a lot of ways. And if you look at internet marketing in general, like things that are happening in internet marketing filter their way into independent publishing, you know, for advertising, for SEO, for networking, marketing, all those good things. And then it usually hits romance first because romance is the most competitive and then it filters its way into the other genres. And so, you know, for me, like science fiction is is pretty competitive. You know, military science fiction has been flooded and now space opera is getting more flooded. And so the places that I like to write are all just have a whole lot of um, competition and it's just getting more and more. So I think learning broad concepts and paying attention to these sort of canaries in the coal mine and folks that are out there learning lessons and and sharing their knowledge because it changes so quickly uh, is really, really valuable. I've learned a ton from folks that write romance. Um, other things that, I, that happened. So Jay Thorne, I think I, I don't know if I talked about this in the last episode, but Jay Thorne has been doing a service for writers called The Author's Life where he sends out essays and he's doing coaching and things like that. And I had signed up for his newsletter. Like I'm a big fan of the, um, the Career Author podcast that he does with Zach Bohannon. And even though they write post the poc, I still learn things from what they're talking about. You know, it's not a huge leap over to science fiction from that. But something interesting he did in his last uh, sort of little essay was at the bottom, it said, if you're a writer and would like to write an essay for um, my readers, hit reply and send me a pitch. And I mean, what a, what a great idea. Like, I was actually wondering, like, when he was going to get burned out on these essays that he's been writing, because he's been keeping up a pretty good clip on the number of these these essays. <laughs> but what a great way to also reach out and kind of, you know, give generously of your audience to other writers that might want to, um, you know, be part of that and also provide value to you. I mean, and so I, I hit reply and I had, I think I had really been chewing over the ideas for my last podcast for the abundance mentality for authors. And so I figured, why don't I write an essay about that? So I pitched it and it's, it was good practice because I haven't pitched anything in a long time. Like I used to pitch to magazines quite often. Um, and so that was, uh, that was fun. And then he wrote back immediately, immediately and said, yeah, send me a thousand words. And I did that and he's going to be coming out. <laughs> so, so that was really cool. Um, but I mean, it's, it's going to be in a process. So he plans everything ahead, uh, which is great. So it's going to go through an editor and I'll get, get it back to take a look at. Um, but that, that's pretty exciting. So I, I'm really interested in doing more nonfiction kind of things. And this podcast is sort of like, you know, the unfiltered blast of ideas I'm having. And then I would like to be able to refine ideas based on the podcast and get them into print in some way or just written written word uh, which I haven't been good at doing because I just don't have a lot of time but if I have a motivation like this it gives me a good reason to jump on you know putting it in in written form <laughs> so so I'm excited about that I don't know when it's coming out exactly but um, I'll keep you posted and 
other cool kind of cool things I hadn't talked about, which are sort of also related to the Career Author podcast, was they're doing a couple of retreats coming up. They're doing a weekend um, at the Pop Culture Museum in Seattle in September, and I signed up for that. Um, I'm pretty excited. It was only going to be like 12 people, and it's going to be a weekend of of writing and talking about the story grid uh, method, which is I'm a huge fan of that book and that that way of analyzing story, so I want to spend more time learning about that. And then they recently announced that they're going to do Authors on a Train again in January. And they had done Authors on a Train, uh, I think a couple times now, but the kind of the most famous one, they, I think the first one they'd done where they went from, it might have been Chicago to um, New Orleans. And that one had Joanna Penn and Lindsay Baroker as participants and so they talk about it every now and then on their various uh, channels and so it always seemed like a cool thing to do but it seemed like the cost of you know the train ticket is expensive the cost of the retreat is expensive the tickets to you know wherever in the Midwest would have been expensive well this they announced that they were doing one front in LA from LA to San Francisco and then renting a place in San Francisco to do a little three-day writers retreat and um, it's a, it's a little bit spendy for me, but I'm still, I jumped on it. I was excited to do it. There was a, a payment plan, so it's not too bad. I can pay monthly. And um, I basically, in the first you know six months of this year, between paying for conferences now and, um, and other random things, like I've pretty much covered my taxes for the year. So at this point, any other like big spends that I have are just me spending money. I'm not going to be able to really deduct it because I'm not going to be paying that, that much taxes. I mean, my income is going to be down this year compared to last year, so uh, I won't be able to write off as many things. <laughs> but I'm still, I'm really excited. Um, when I asked my wife about it, I was like, so would it be cool if I, you know, went on a writer's retreat for four days, which means she's going to be alone with the baby for like five days. And, and she was all about it. She said, yeah, because Honestly, I really have never taken a vacation by myself in a long time, so I'm really excited about doing this. I think it's gonna be a great opportunity too. So I'm always looking for those opportunities to potentially network with other writers, especially spend time with writers that I think are doing things that I'm, I'm excited about. And uh, Jay Thorne and Zach Bohannon are also, their tra- the, the Selmore Book Show Summit is transitioning into the Career Author Summit. So that's gonna be another one that's happening uh, next year. And if you don't want to go to 20 books to 50K or didn't make it into that one, I think the Career Author Summit will be a great opportunity. You know, it's only going to have like 120 people or something. So uh, it's going to be in Nashville, I think they said. I'm already going to 20 books. So, and and with the Authors on a Train thing, like I I don't think I'll be doing another one, but um, I still think that if uh, it would be a good opportunity to learn from folks. I mean, they've got some heavy hitters speakers are going to be there and with this small number of people it's a great opportunity to, to network um, so I would I would recommend checking that out uh, so other things so words written um, I got 6,000 words written so far this week uh, which put, puts me up at 87,000 for the year it feels really good to finally be able to start talking about numbers again because I felt really crappy that I actually couldn't throw out numbers for a long time because it just I just was not able to write I mean some things have changed. Um, our daughter, who's just turned one year old, has started getting to bed a little more consistently. We still, like, she seems really light sensitive. And so tonight we were trying to get her to bed at 7.30 and we spent a good 
hour, I want to say hour to 45 minutes, just, you know, reading her stories, trying to get her laid down. She immediately gets up, wants to get out of bed. It's just like over and over and over again. So um, that makes it, it's funny because I'll, I'll start putting her to bed and I feel perfectly awake. And then over the course of doing all that, like I get tired and then I lose my motivation and don't want to do anything afterwards. So did my best to get hype back up for, you know, for talking uh, for tonight because I really wanted to get a podcast recorded. So that's it for, for updates for right now. I have not watched Avengers Endgame. I don't actually expect to. So uh, I didn't even see Captain Marvel. And I realized that, you know, spoilers ahead, if I missed out on, um, I don't know, Captain Marvel, would I even know what was happening going into Endgame? So I've kind of given up on movies for this year, and that's that's fine. <laughs> so, um, But other hobbies, things I wanted to talk about that I think could be useful for you as a writer. And, you know, somebody might hear me talking about hobbies in the midst of also lamenting about not getting writing done that I that I've needed to get done and say that I'm just I'm just glamorizing my resistance you know but um, I think that there definitely is value in recharging your tank and for me at least when I think about flow state and kind of where ideas come from and how things move in and out of my mind um, hobbies are really important reading is really important uh, another book that I I forgot to mention that I've been listening to his deep work by Cal Newport and I was listening to that book and he had a uh, I'm gonna mess up the the word I think it's eudonium machine um, that was an idea that kind of tied back to super intelligence by Nick Bostrom which was a way like actually a, a series of rooms that could be used to concentrate uh, a group of people's focus on a project and and it was an idea that this architect had, but it, it just in, you know, deep work is about learning how to focus. And this random concept that I read about in, in, this, in the book tied back into something that I was working on in my novel. And so I was able to kind of like reference that idea and, and riff off of it. But if I hadn't been doing that, like those ideas don't come, they don't just like pop spontaneously into my brain. You know, they, they, there's, one, one idea that I think of a lot is I read a biography of J.R.R. Tolkien when I was in middle school, I want to say. And I remember this line from the, biog- the biography where the, the author says that uh, throughout Tolkien's life, he was constantly developing the rich uh, mulch of his imagination. <laughs> and... And it was, I remember reading that thinking like, that's weird. But now I think about it and I was like, that's exactly what it is. It's that ideas and concepts come into your mind and they're mulching, they're turning over, they are bumping against each other and, you know, heating up. And sometimes they meld, sometimes they don't. Some things don't mi- get into the mix. Um, and it, it's a mulch, at least for me. That's what my brain is constantly with various ideas and concepts and emotions and feelings and if you know for me like this even this current novel like i i love brooklyn 99 and so when i was able to like match that up with a couple of other concepts it was like you know peanut butter and my chocolate it was boom let's i gotta get this story out right now so hobbies i think play into that and reading obviously is you know a really easy one but two projects that i've been working on was i built an e-bike and I also 
put solar panels on my roof and built the whole uh, solar panel hookup that in the garage to with a converter and the solar charge controller and, and all that good stuff and and there was a whole process in learning how to do those things um, so solar if you're not familiar there's a lot of different ways to wire up your solar panels depending on how you want what you want the system to do and then once you have your panels there's there's cost to think about there's size things like that and then once you um, once you get those wired up what kind of batteries do you want to have and so it all there's a lot of strategy with it and you have to really it's not something where you can just be drunk on Amazon one night and order a bunch of stuff and then and then build it there's a lot of thought that needs to go into it and a lot of research and in the process of doing that research you may come across new communities on the internet that are full of you know jerks that are really serious about solar <laughs> and so you learn a lot of new things you learn things about South Africa you learn things about Australia about Texas about prepping about permies um, you know people are into permaculture and so all these all these new concepts are coming into my brain and then you know for me for instance I I did, I ordered a certain type of battery and then I got a certain kind of converter. And then it turns out that uh, they don't play super nice together. So I had to relook that and then even come up with kind of a plan for the future. And in a way it's, it's, it is very much like building out a story or building out characters or plotting the novel. You know, what is your overall plan? How do the pieces fit together? If certain pieces fit together and want to go in a different direction, what are you going to do about that? And here there's, there's a physical cost like solar is actually not cheap you know different batteries are expensive solar panels are expensive um, so there's a cost to it it's like I can't just erase the batteries and remake them um, but in the process of doing that I, I learned I learned a lot and the e-bike was the same way um, I had a Dutch cruiser that I have wanted to turn into an e-bike for a while because I really enjoy riding my bike to work when the weather is nice but this was a slow bike and it was taking me an hour to get to work. And I've, I've ridden motorcycles my whole life. I enjoy motorcycles, but I really don't like dealing with traffic in a motorcycle and my, or riding a motorcycle. And my wife, uh, it also makes her very nervous for me to be out in traffic with a motorcycle. So with an e-bike, I've got a really nice path from my house to work. I can just ride that path. Um, and so the same kind of thing, like, you know, researching the e-bike and, and finding out the pieces and watching YouTube videos and, and all these cool design videos by Dutch architects that are doing different kinds of, of e-bikes. Um, and then learning about batteries and all the research that's being done or the, the DIY work that's being done with um, lithium ion batteries and Tesla walls and um, basically the little double A um, kind of the basic cell that goes into any battery bank or that Tesla uses in theirs is the basic building block of these different battery banks. And I opted not to make my own battery bank, but, um, but I learned a ton about it while I, was, while I was researching it. And then once you get the pieces and start putting it together, that's also where I think that, that concept in your mind, that research, and it's the same thing with writing. You can do a crap load of research and never write a word. And that's a waste, you know. So once you've done the research, you pull the trigger, you get the pieces. Now it's time to put the pieces together. And I think this is one of the most important parts about the hobby. And for me, as a writer, something I think about as I'm working on a project, how 
how does the project fit in space? How it like physical space? Um, something I think about a lot with characters and you know blocking as far as how they're moving in a scene, what they're doing, what their hands are doing, how their bodies are arranged, how it feels to do certain things, um, and some things you just wouldn't know unless you'd done it. You know, I I haven't climbed. I've done some climbing. I've done some rappelling. I know what that feels like. Um, I've jumped out of an airplane. I know what that feels like. Um, and there are some things that you can, I mean, you can definitely like uh, play it off as a writer, but I think having that actual experience can be invaluable. Knowing how your body feels in that moment, what your what emotions are are going through you. Because one thing I want to I want to really emphasize coming back to is like the whole purpose of this would be to really get a, a handle on the emotions that these hobbies make you feel. You know, reading satisfies me because it expands my mind and you know probably feeds my ego because I feel like I, I know more after I'm done. But there's an emotion there. Um, building something, there's an emotion of potential satisfaction or when you've done all this research, thought you did the right thing and then it fails, um, that's also, that's an emotion. And that's something I think that's really important for characters to, to really have a, a feeling where have you failed in your life? You know, sometimes if you're just going to work and doing the same thing over and over again, like you might not be failing a lot. And so depending on the hobby you have, failure could be a part of that. Um, not getting too deep into it, but gardening is another thing that I spend a lot of time on. I'm, I'm in the process of reworking my whole garden. But for me, actually, I'm kind of a crappy gardener. Like I fail all the time at it. Things don't grow the way I want them to. Um, I don't prepare the soils right. I get lazy, I guess. I don't do things the right specific way. Um, and so I, I fail. And the way I feel when I fail is something that can inform my work, my writing. And thinking about how that affects characters, uh, I think is something I spend a lot of time kind of mulling over as I'm doing these other things. You know, something I've uh, been picking up a lot on, I don't do it personally, but meditation. Um, a lot of writers are using meditation to start their, their writing day. Um, for me, working on a project is a form of meditation because my mind is focused on the project and other ideas slip in and out of my mind as I'm working on it, but it's, it's different. It's a different way of focusing on um, what my hands are doing, what I'm, uh, just how time is, how time is moving. Um, so that's, I think that's all really valuable things that you can, that you can take back to your work. Um, other things you learn. So language associated with the hobby. Um, you know, I've learned new things, new current electronics, um, electricity, batteries, uh, how those things work, different, um, the way people talk about the hobby, you know, either online or different age groups as they're talking about it. You know, you might have some crusty old engineer that rolls into a, a online conversation or has a YouTube video or, or something and the way they approach it is different than a 20 year old who's building a Tesla wall. You know, um, that language I think is really important and the hobby helps you absorb that. So for me, one of the things I love to get into my science fiction novels is you know, I really think that mechanics and engineers, you know, they make things happen, right? Like nothing happens without maintenance. That's one thing I know from the army. And so I love the language of maintenance. I love the language of technicians, of people that have their hands in the actual operations of making something happen. 
And so anytime I can get the language of that or the emotion of that or the sort of mindset around it, I feel that makes my writing that much stronger. And so hobbies that um, kind of put me in contact with folks like that are things I really enjoy. You know, I don't currently rebuild cars, but um, I love watching YouTube videos of various people rebuilding cars, you know, especially when somebody like, you know, mechanics are so much different than say bakers, like a baker, like we watch a lot of baking shows too, potentially, but you know, bakers are very exact. It's, it's chemistry. It has to be right. Whereas a mechanic is like, yeah, just bang it out. It'll be all right. You know, like the, some, the way, the way, the things it could take to get, you know, a car running are very different than what it could take to bake a beautiful cake. <laughs> um, but I think those are really interesting things to absorb. And um, through hobbies is how you can, I think, bring those things back to your writing. Uh, let's see, I touched on, you know, characters in space and how the hobby can help you frame scenes. But thinking about, you know, even just riding a bike, walking, um, if you're working on your car, I mean, even if cleaning your house, you know, squatting, standing, stretching, um, how you feel as you're doing that, where your mind goes. I think all those are things that you can talk about in your writing and that can come from the hobby. And yes, you can imagine those things, but I think it makes your work so much more rich if you have that, that dimension of uh, reality of what you've been, uh, what you've personally experienced. And then the last thing would be social aspects of the hobby. And so, you know, I've ended up interacting with a lot of people online over various things, but there are plenty of other hobbies that get you out to talk to people. Um, one of my lo my favorite local authors, uh, Jerry Olteon, he he builds telescopes and he really loves going out to viewing parties and not only checking out other people's telescopes but helping them um, troubleshoot when they're building them or you know people bring in different telescopes and we uh, I was just talking with him a couple weeks ago about it and there was uh, a guy like people are pushing the bounds of what these DIY telescopes do. And then he also like had got a bunch of pieces of porthole glass from some guy in Australia that had picked them up. And it turned out that they like they were slightly yellow and it turned out they had uranium in them and were actually a little bit radioactive. But he had this great story to tell because he had been interacting with people through his hobby. Um, you know, this guy found all these pieces of glass that would work for optics and a telescope and offered people like, hey, if you send me money for shipping, I will mail I will mail them to you. And so Jerry did that. And now he's got all these cool pieces of glass and this cool story to tell, um, which also gives him like new, because he went through a whole process of uh, actually <laughs> taking it to a lab and getting the its level of radioactivity measured, which was really interesting. I really hope that it, um, he writes a column for uh, the magazine of fantasy and science fiction about um, astronomy and I really hope this story makes it in because it was a it was a really cool story but it's the kind of thing that wouldn't come out in if he didn't have his hobby and so I could see him easily turning this into some sort of story in the future and one of the things I love about talking to people is sometimes you just never know what's going to come out of someone's mouth and someone will say something or you could brush in you know bump into someone talking about an aspect of your hobby um, and it, you never quite know what you're gonna hear about. Uh, that's one thing with the e-bike that I've noticed. Like when I'm out riding it, 
people that know notice it right off the bat and they want to talk about it and then they want to talk about like it's almost like a little bit of a hot rodding thing but not quite hot rodding you know but because it eclipses a couple different like you know do it yourself bicycling um so it, it's fun and there's a social aspect there that brings other input into that mulch in your brain you know that wouldn't have been there before so so i highly recommend you know even if you are like obviously you don't want your hobby to get in the way of your writing and and you might say well my hobby is my writing when yeah i totally get that but i think that writing for me at least is one of those pursuits like i think you reach a point where for me at least it's not a hobby it's work and i need to be able to feed the engine that creates the work and so when i sit down to try and get into flow state I mean, there are times that the things I write, I have no idea where they come from. <laughs> and then there are other times where, especially if I'm having a, like, there's an obstacle around something, um, that idea that I had from my hobby or my off time will click and fix that. And then I can, I can push on through it. So it, it creates new writing in the process. So if you don't have a hobby, I would highly recommend it. Um, and if you do have a hobby, take a look at how it could potentially influence your work or how it could um, provide some depth to your work that you might not have been thinking about before. I think just thinking about your where you are, like mentally describing where you are as you do a certain thing, how you feel, how your body feels. You know, for me, like getting a bicycle that previously had only ever gone like 10 miles an hour up to 30 miles an hour. Like there was some emotion there, you know, there was like, my heart was pounding. I was starting to get that feeling of like, this bike is not made to do this. Like I need to fix the brakes. I need to start making some changes here. Um, but all those things are great. Like that's stuff I can, I can grab onto next time I have a character that's maybe going through that same feeling of loss of control or doing that, the mental work of fixing a problem and then failing. Um, because there are a couple of things like the solar array right now, for some reason on my charge controller, if I hit the okay button, it overloads my, um, my, not my transformer, but the, uh, the, <laughs> the, the thing that turns DC into AC and I'm blanking on the word right now. Um, but that's frustrating and I don't know why it's doing that. And I've been trying to figure out, like, I need to get on the internet and make a video and show people what's happening. So hopefully somebody can help me fix it. Um, but that's also something I can use in the future when I have a character who I need to get a try-fail cycle in there because I remember what that feels like. So um, anyway, I hope this is useful and I hope it maybe helps you look at uh, things you might be doing and how even though it's not writing, it could help your writing. Um, my intentions for next week, uh, I'm just going to keep plugging away on this, on this new book. I'm really excited about it and it feels good to be writing and just knocking out a lot of words again. So I will keep you posted on how that, how that turns out. I may have some, you know, feedback on Eve of Destruction so I can talk about what that editing is going to look like, but I think it's going to be mostly, um, the Nova Blue novel. So I will keep you posted. Uh, until next week, keep writing and thanks for listening. I will talk to you later.